got the forest. We don't have Hensel. Why is the red square there? Um, that's going to be the target at the end of the trial. In other words, this is, you use that to point with to where you think the origin was, your starting point. When they were playing their Nintendo game, the boys were controlling characters in a 3D world, but it was difficult for them to judge distances or to see how far their characters had walked or in what direction. But they discovered a strategy to avoid backtracking. You shoot bullets to remember where you were. You're in a vent, you're in an air vent, right? And there's two ways to go. When you first play it, you can get lost. You can do what Max does, which is using the bullets, uh, bullet holes in the wall. <clears throat> well, it's fun to just destroy everything. And the device here is about um, a drum that you can stick your head inside and it's filled with polka dots and it allows us to give you a strong sensation that instead of the drum turning, you're actually the one turning. At MIT, a grad student has his own strategy when it comes to working out where he is in a rotating cube. His virtual reality is more convincing than the boys' game. He has on a helmet and 3D goggles, and so he's immersed. He feels as if he's trapped inside. Though his okay. cube spins through several spatial realities, he has eventually found a way of working out where he's facing at any given time. He memorizes the little pictures on the cube's walls. Learning opposite pairs is a very essential aspect of, uh, essential strategy actually, for memorizing the, the uh, relative orientation of the sides, uh, the icons of the, the cube. Like that, that's, that's, main, that's my main strategy, and since I'm such a, an expert subject on, in this task, that seems to be the most essential strategy, in my opinion, is learning the opposite pairs and then establishing the pairs' relationship relative to each other. Now it's my turn to interact. I'm in a 3D habitat. Professor Charles Oman and his graduate assistants start me off in a virtual movie. Imagine yourself, uh, so you're in this virtual world. It's a whole bunch of space station modules connected together. Can I try to keep track of where you start from? If, if I tell you I'm very, very bad at those speed car games and I always crash, does yeah. that, will that make it more difficult? No, because no, you're no, no, not steering. You're on a guided tour. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. We're doing the driving for you. Here you go. Right, so we're going to start you at one location in the simulated model of the space station. Okay. Let me just describe it. It's like I'm going into a tumble dryer, and along the sides are <laughs> uh, like lots of, of different um, sort of equipment panels. That's how I describe it. Or, or you could think of this as like being in a, a kitchen setting, and there are lots of different sort of ovens and microwaves along the side. Right. So we're going to start by traveling s straight down this corridor, go through an intersection, continuing on, and then we're going to travel a little more at this level, and then at, towards the end, we're going to actually dip down and go through the floor into the third dimension of this environment. So at first it's like terrestrial travel, walking along a horizontal surface, but then we're going to go through a floor, which is something we don't do on Earth, and that's where people get confused. It's a confusing 3D structure, and add to that, you're weightless. This environment is a faithful recreation of the interior of the International Space Station. This simulation is a training exercise for pre-flight astronauts. Tumbling around in the modules, the crew will at first be very disorientated. 
At the Johnson Space Center, William Poloski is chief of the Life Sciences Lab. He's interested in how astronauts lose sensory information in orbit. If we were to take a person who's well adapted to the Earth environment, to the terrestrial environment, and then suddenly place that person into an environment where there's no gravity, there are a number of changes that occur. We have sensors uh, all over our body that are cognizant of the presence of gravity. Uh, the primary sensors are in our inner ears. They're called the otolith organs. And they constantly tell our brain what angle our head is making with respect to gravity. We also have uh, receptors in our joints, in our muscles. And whenever we move within a gravitational environment, the gravity vector changes the outputs from those sensors. And then finally, we have pressure receptors on the bottoms of our feet, uh, on all of our arms, on our seats. Our brain uses all this information to determine what sorts of adjustments.